as we know, it's very costly to train and outfit a firefighter. So it's more important to focus on your retention than your recruitment to start with, because if you can't keep people, there's no sense of bringing them through the door. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service just like you from coast to coast. Today we're talking volunteers, how to recruit them and how to keep them. Sometimes it seems like people just don't have the time to be a volunteer firefighter anymore. It's getting harder to find people to volunteer, and it's even more difficult to keep them after they've been trained. Our guest this time completed a three-year doctoral study on firefighter retention. She's here to offer some strategies that aren't based on expensive campaigns. They're practical ideas. Dr. Candace McDonald is a firefighter PIO with Sebring, Ohio Fire, and a firefighter with the Winona, Ohio Fire Department. She's a contributing author to Fire Engineering and Fire Rescue, and holds a doctorate in business administration and homeland security. And Candace McDonald joins me now. Thanks for being on Code 3 today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me to talk about this important message. It's tough to be a firefighter. Why do people volunteer for it in the first place? Yeah, it you know, it is difficult. It's a challenge when it comes to the uh, work-life balance, but um, people definitely like to give back to their community, be involved, and serve their community. That's that's one of the main reasons that, that people volunteer. They want to help and, and give back, so they're definitely doing it for the right reasons. But at the same time, it's become much tougher to recruit volunteers. Why is that? So we definitely have seen a decline in the volunteer fire service since 1984. There's been about a a 12% decline. And there is a a number of reasons uh, that have caused that decline. One, um, the schedule accommodations has become a problem. A lot of times our firefighters are no longer working in their communities. They're working outside of their community, so they're they're driving, so they don't have the time that they have. We also have uh, firefighters that used to be, there was a lot of uh, where one person was working and one person was staying home with the kids and to manage things on the home front, but now... It, with today's uh, society, we, we have both adults working, so that causes a lot more stress and demand. You've researched this topic pretty heavily. What were your overall findings? So uh, in my research, what I did is I looked at the strategies that volunteer fire service leaders could use to retain volunteer firefighters. Through this research, there was a number of themes that developed. One was schedule accommodations and how important it was to schedule training and meetings around the needs of our members and not our own needs. Let's stop there for a moment. Is that something that's doable for most volunteer departments to work around the volunteer schedules? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when it comes to the having a flexible schedule what happens is we see a lot of volunteer departments they offer one night that you have to show up to 
to attend a meeting or a training and that's it. And if you don't meet that requirement, you're no longer able to volunteer. So that really restricts our folks that work afternoon or have commitments with their children, whether it be a soccer game or something else, but then they kind of get discouraged and they don't volunteer, they don't meet the requirements. So what some departments have done that they have found successful is they've offered uh, some flexibility when it comes to scheduling training and those meetings where they they repeat that same training. Maybe they have a training on a Tuesday night and then they'll repeat that training either on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon to allow everybody the opportunity to attend. And they found it very successful for retaining their members and their members being able to get the training hours that they need. Now that does sound reasonable. What else did you find? So when we're talking about the the schedule accommodation, one of the things that that really popped out was that need uh, for the work-life balance. So, um, and to be able to do that, that that popped in the idea of having duty crews, where instead of when the tones go off, everybody in the department runs out the door, that you actually develop a schedule so that your volunteers know that when they need to be around to answer that call and your other volunteers can take the opportunity to enjoy outings with their family and not have to worry about it. So by scheduling your members um, and having them sign up for shifts that work with their schedule is a way to ensure that you have coverage. And it also ensures that your members that respond constantly are not getting burnout. And so even if you have some members that can only get five hours a week on that schedule, that's great. Um, So you've got them committing to five hours. Your other members that maybe run a lot of calls they can take that time and spend it with their family and not have to worry about those calls. Are you saying that someone might, for example, volunteer to give up their Saturday or their Sunday or whatever day they're off and be at the fire station? Is that how that would work? So some departments that I've talked to, they, they do it differently. There's some that do require their, their members to be at the station um, during that five hours. And then the department that I belong to, um, we're required to be available and ready to respond. So, for example, for me, since I work during the week and I, I have a 90-minute commute, I always pick midnight to 5 a.m. for my duty crew time, my scheduling time. So I know that from midnight to 5 a.m. on Saturday morning is my time, which allows those other members that might like to um, socialize or have a few drinks on a Friday night. They don't have to worry about getting out of bed because there's a group of us that, that take that night shift when we're off work. And it allows us to continue to be involved and to give back to our community. It seems like a simple idea. I guess I'm a little surprised we hadn't thought of it sooner, but then again, we may not have needed to think of it sooner. No, and, and you're right. Um, and the other great thing is now with um, with technology, we can use that for the scheduling of those volunteers. At, at our department, what we use is Google Docs um, so that folks can get on and pick their hours that they want to volunteer. And then at a glance, anybody can log in to Google Docs via their phone or their computer. The chief can see it and know that there's coverage. Non-wage benefits showed up as a big retention thing. And what non-wage benefits is, is that is your uh, providing a uniform. It showed that our um, there's a lot of departments that still do not provide uniforms. So those branded swag items, um, they're providing them at no cost to your members is an attractive way for them to feel like they belong and that they're part of the team. 
that showed to be important. Some departments have installed a washer and dryer at their department where uh, young college kids, while they're on the schedule uh, volunteering, they could wash their clothes there. So they're washing their clothes at the fire department, and they're there to run a call. So it's a win-win for both. The, some of the other non-wage benefits was creating an attractive environment for where members would want to hang out. So some departments, what they've done is they've kind of created a little entertainment room where uh, folks can come and watch a movie, play pool, play video games, play cards, just kind of socialize and make it a fun atmosphere to hang out and make them want to be there. So those were all things that were important. The other thing that was important were, were planned activities, having those social uh, those social outings to um, to build the the sportsmanship and to build the team where you're having whether it be a softball tournament or a kickball tournament where you're doing some of those things. Um, professional development was another big thing that came up in the research under non-wage benefits. Our people are eager to learn, and they see that as a benefit of um, being able to, to stay involved. Now, to be clear, these are all ideas that are actually in use somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. These are all um, these are all things that have been found to be successful in not only the fire service, but also in other nonprofit and volunteer organizations. Uh, how do they measure success? Is it by retention versus how retention used to be before they implemented these ideas? Yes, they, they took, a, took a look at the retention rate of um, a lot of these departments before they implemented strategies. They were really struggling to get people to stay. And as we know, it's very costly to train and outfit a firefighter. So it's more important to focus on your retention than your recruitment to start with. Because if you can't keep people, there's no sense in bringing them through the door. So they, they looked at the statistics of, um, you know, here we are with our retention rates. Um, they're not very good. What can we do to change things? So they started to implement those things like the schedule accommodations, non-wage benefits, and some of the other things that um, popped up in the research was family. Engaging the family was a big thing for retention. The departments that engage the family as a whole by offering um, family activities, making the family feel included in the fire department, they found a higher rate of retention as well. Because if the family is supporting the firefighter um, and they're supportive of their involvement, then they don't have that conflict at home where one firefighter might be running out the door and the other one is left behind and feels, you know, stressed out because their loved one's gone. So, But if they're able to, to be able to support that firefighter and believe in what they're doing, it makes everybody's life a little bit easier. I'll be back with more right after this. Every day, you put your life on the line to protect our families, friends, communities, cities, and our nation. Federal Resources knows the dangers you encounter daily. Whether it's fire, hazmat, or the more recent opioid threats, we're here to support you, protect you, and help train you for your next mission. You're looking out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Federalresources.com. What are some ways that have worked to increase recruitment? So looking at recruitment, it's all about getting getting creative and finding places that you can find the right member. So under recruitment, um, we need to look at the um, social media as an outlet to recruit people in. It's the more that you can post about what your department's doing on social media, it becomes attractive. 
letting your young members as they're doing training take photos during training and then approving those photos to be shared that's a natural recruitment campaign their friends are going to see the great things that they're doing their family members are going to see that they're uh, you know doing a little post on social media like a member spotlight about a member and then a lot of times what happens is then the other organization that that firefighter is in they'll share that if they go to church someplace and their firefighter has been highlighted on the fire department social media page that church may end up sharing that post on the church page hey look our church member you know was highlighted on this page check them out and then that continues to spread the word the other thing when it comes to recruitment is that we need to make sure that we quickly respond to our members that are interested a lot of times we lose people because they want to volunteer, but we don't act quickly enough to hook them into the door. As soon as they express interest, we need to get them an application, um, have an online application submission, whatever it is, so that we can get them, get their information. Then we need to reach out to them. As soon as we get that application, we need to start building that relationship, reaching out. Oh, we'd love for you to stop down while you're going through the application process. Come on down and, and meet the members, find out a little bit more. Because the more you can engage them in the process during that application um, phase, the more likely you're going to be able to recruit them. It sounds like if you sum up everything that you're saying, what we're really looking at here is ways to show potential new members and then existing members why we thought this was so cool in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And what is it that we have to look at it too is – um. What can we offer our internal stakeholders? What do we as an organization have to offer them? People have numerous organizations they could spend their time volunteering. So we need to make sure what we're offering them is an attractive package. And, you know, from serving the community to whatever little non-wage benefits that you have. And when it comes to that recruitment process and, and recruiting, in addition to the social media, another great place is your natural settings. You know, have a table at your sporting events. Go to a gym. We know fit people tend to, to go to gym, and, and we need fit firefighters. Uh, universities and schools, have tables there, information. Use all of those natural events within your community as an opportunity to grab new members and showcase what your organization has to offer. Well, you were right. These are all ideas that really don't take money. They just take a little effort. Right, right. So in, in addition to all of these ideas, the other thing that uh, when it comes to both recruitment and retention is satisfaction. It's so important that we create an organizational climate that promotes job satisfaction. Organizations need to allow their employees or their volunteers to have a, a fair amount of control and how to perform their job duties and be able to give feedback and ideas. So it's important for leadership to realize that um, it's their job to make their internal stakeholders happy and they need to create a team environment. It's important too, you know, there is studies that show that eating, working, and playing together will increase satisfaction. So having a pizza night with your volunteers and spending time talking with them is a common trait, you know, that we know among career firefighters, but volunteer organizations can do that as well. All right, Candace McDonald, thank you for talking with us today. Oh, thank you for having me. And we put more information about recruiting and retaining volunteers on our website at code3podcast.com slash recruiting. Check it out. Are you ready for the trivia question? This one should be simple. What was the deadliest hotel fire in U.S. history? 
Back in a moment with the answer. Now's your chance to get your hands on Code 3 t-shirts, sweatshirts, and more. Show your support for the podcast that supports firefighters from coast to coast. Just go to Code3Podcast.com and click on the Code 3 store link. Or go to Code3Podcast.com slash shop and tell the world that you're a Code 3 fan. Here's your trivia answer. The deadliest hotel fire in U.S. history was the Weinkauf Hotel Fire which killed 119 people in Atlanta in 1946. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll be here. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.